just a couple more pieces. And, oh, hi. For those of you who don't know, my name's Patrick. Uh, I am one of the volunteers here at Venture Church, and I am doing one of my absolute favorite things in the world to do. I am building Lego. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but you, you know, you've seen this cool wall, this background that I've got going on here as I've done MC stuff over the last several weeks as we've been doing church online. Well, all of this are tubs of sorted Lego bricks. Uh, they have individual items and things in there uh, because this is my hobby. This is what I do. This is uh, one of the biggest joys in my life is to put one brick on top of another and make something. And, and it's not just Lego. I like doing woodworking and electronics and design and app building and all kinds of different things. I want to get my hands in, figure out how it works, figure out how I can make something new. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. You see, there, there's a, a moment in history that the Bible tells us about, uh, about a man called Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is is this awesome story from the Old Testament. Uh, a little bit of background on who Nehemiah was. He was the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes after the Israelites had been taken out of Israel and taken off to Persia. And they've been in exile. Finally, the Israelites have been allowed to start going back, and it's been about five years since that happened. This is when Nehemiah takes place. It's in the 20th year of the reign of King Artaxerxes. And a crazy thing happens. Let's look in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. If you don't have a Bible handy, look it up on the phone, or the scripture will be down here at the bottoms. But let's start in Nehemiah chapter 1 and read this first passage. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, that I is Nehemiah, I remember this is him writing, uh, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And if you keep reading in chapter 1, that's exactly what he did. He prays and prays this beautiful prayer about the nation of Israel, about the, the good things that he wants. And the most important thing that he prays for, though, is that the king would find favor with him. The king would find favor with him. And so he kept going about his duty. Now, you got to know a little bit about Hebrew history and the Hebrew calendar to understand this, but this was in Kislev in the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes. Now, when a king would take over, there the year would start whenever the king started. And so it's in the 20th year of Artaxerxes. It's the month of Kislev, which is about December. 
And then when we pick up in chapter 2, we're all the way to the month of Nisan in the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes, which is in April. So it's five months later that this happened. So five months later, Nehemiah is still distraught by the things that are going on in Jerusalem. Enough that in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 2, the king says, Why did your face look so sad when you were not ill? This can be nothing but a sadness of the heart. For five months, Nehemiah has been dealing with the thoughts of Jerusalem, the lack of its walls. The, the king notices his heartache. And i got to give props to Nehemiah right here because he doesn't do that quintessential American thing when somebody says, Hey, how you doing? And he just goes, oh, I'm fine, I'm good, it's nothing, I'm, you know, whatever. He says, no, this is what's going on. He lays it out before the king. He says, king, may you live forever, but why should I not look sad if the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed? So the king says, well, what do you want? And this is fantastic because Nehemiah prays to God for the answer. And it tells the king, what I want to do is go back and rebuild the city. Will you give me permission to do that? And the king says, uh, yeah, I can do that. And Nehemiah says, well, can you give me um, letters to get me there so that the other kingdoms that I pass through won't harass me? And the king says, I can do that. In fact, I'll send an army with you. And Nehemiah says, well, can can I have some some materials? Like... Can you get your lumberjack to cut me some, some lumber? And the king says, sure, absolutely. And so here's Nehemiah with all of this stuff. He's been waiting for five months. Finally, the moment comes, and he lays it on the line, and he takes every advantage he can get, and he heads off to Jerusalem. Now, when he gets to Jerusalem, he doesn't tell anybody why he's there. I don't know if he got the, like the army to hang out in the, the outside the city gates for a little while or the guys that were hauling the logs to not bring the logs in. But he comes in and he spends a couple of days in Jerusalem, three days to be exact. And on the night of the third day, Nehemiah goes out and walks around the compound of Jerusalem. He, he walks around and he walks through every gate, out one and in the other and in one and out the other and is so distraught that all of the gates of the city are destroyed. So the next day he calls the people together. It's in verse 17 of chapter 2. He says, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I love this next verse. It says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. Now, they've been living there for five years already, and no one thought to do this. No one thought, oh, well, let's just go ahead and build the wall back. We're hanging out. We're living here. It would make us more safe. Let's rebuild the wall. Until Nehemiah shows up. And Nehemiah lays it out. Now, I, I think very quickly, as you read the book of Nehemiah, if you go and do that, and I recommend you do, because I'm giving you a very uh, condensed and abbreviated version of this story, but there are some other guys, Sanballat is one of them, Tobias is another, that go around and stir up trouble for Nehemiah and the people that are helping him to rebuild the wall. 
they spend a lot of time mocking him and jeering at him and trying to discourage him and casting insults their way. But Nehemiah doesn't worry about that. He answers in verse 20, it says, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. He says, you guys, you may be living around here, but Jerusalem is ours. Jerusalem belongs to the people of God. And so they go and they work and God is on their side. And they're working really hard. And it's really cool if you go look in chapter 3 because it starts listing person after person, group after group, family after family that built a section of the wall, that worked on the section that was near their homes, that worked on the section that was near their temple, their, their workplace, that worked on the wall and tied it together and started rebuilding it. And things started looking up. They got the wall about halfway to the height that it needed to be. And that's when... Sanballat and Tobias started getting a little worried. So they called together all of the people that had been working against the Israelites, working against the people of Jerusalem and saying, hey, look, if they get this wall up, we're not going to be able to just go and steal their stuff anymore. If they get this wall up, it's going to be bad for us. So we need to go against them and fight against this wall and fight against Nehemiah. Somehow Nehemiah hears about this and so he does what any good leader would do. He says, oh, well, let's stop building the wall. Let's give up. No, that's not what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah says, if they're going to come at us like this, then what we'll do is we'll split our workforce in half. Half the people will work and half the people will stand guard. And even the people that are pushing around the wheelbarrows of materials will carry a sword. And we'll all carry swords and will not be afraid of them look at verse 14 it says after i looked things over i stood up and i said to the nobles the officials and the rest of the people don't be afraid of them remember the lord who is great and awesome fight for your families your sons and your daughters your wives and your homes and the coolest thing happened when the enemies that were coming and massing against Jerusalem came and saw the people were there and were ready, they gave up. They backed off. They said, uh, we don't want to, we don't want to do that. We don't want to go and die just so they won't build a wall. Well, let's just let them have the wall. But Nehemiah knew this wasn't the end of it. And so he said, from this day on, let's continue. Let's do this work together. Let's protect each other and, and keep carrying the swords and keep doing the things that will protect our homes and our wall building. Because this is a great work that God has given us. And so, as the enemy will do, they tried a different tactic. They said, we can't come against you in force. We can't come against you in arms. So what we're going to do is invite you to come and have a conversation with us in a town that's a little bit far away. Like Really, that's, that's really what happens. They send a servant with a letter that says, please come and meet with us over here in this uh, little town. Can't make this stuff up. Uh, and Nehemiah said, I am in the middle of a great work. I'm doing a thing for God. Let me 
not come and do that. Why would I do that? I'm going to keep working. So no, I'm not coming to visit you. And so they sent another messenger with another letter. And they did this three more times, four times in total. And finally, the fifth time, they sent with an open letter. An open letter that the guy stood out in the courtyard and read out loud. And this is what it said. This is in chapter 6 of Nehemiah. It says, Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true. Geshem was uh, one of the leaders in Jerusalem. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. Therefore, you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and even have appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come on, let's meet together which I believe leads to one of the, the most interesting and possibly fun scriptures in the Bible. I, like, I don't know why this isn't uh, one of the verses that they teach you in church camp when you're growing up, you know, one of the great memory verses of our time. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 8, he says, I sent this in reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. Isn't that fantastic? Nothing that you're saying is true. It's all made up. You're just grasping at straws. You're trying to blackmail me with something that isn't a real thing, and the king's going to know it. And so the people continued to build. Sambalat and Tobias kept trying to distract from the outside to pull Nehemiah away. People inside of Jerusalem were trying to distract Nehemiah, telling him that he should go and hide because people were coming to attack him. And he says, who am I? What is special about me that I would be able to go and hide? I'm going to keep working because this task that God has given me is what is important. And so they continued to build with distraction after distraction, with army after army coming. Until finally, verse 15 of chapter 6. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elu in 52 days. 52 days. The governor first issued a decree, a decree, a uh, an executive order about COVID-19 on March 10th. That was 117 days ago. More than two times as long as it took Nehemiah and the people of Israel to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It's amazing to think about. And there's some really cool lessons that I think we can glean from this story. Some cool ideas that we can we can reach in and we can say, this is good stuff that Nehemiah did that we can put to practice in our own lives, especially in the world that we're living in right now where things just seem to keep going so crazy. And here's the first thing that I, I think we should learn from Nehemiah. It's okay to be heartbroken. It's okay to, to be sad. It's okay to sit down and weep because that's what Nehemiah did. Look at back at verse one or chapter one, verse four. four. When I heard these things, I sat down and what? When he heard that Jerusalem was in disarray, when he heard that his 
people and his nation were failing, he sat down and he wept. It broke his heart. It broke his heart that there was this injustice in the world. That things weren't going the way that God wanted them to go and the way that he believed that they should be going. So he sat down and he cried. Now, I'm not afraid to tell you that I am a crier. Uh, I get emotional about lots of things often. Uh, I can't read a, a book of any kind of good storytelling without tearing up at least a little bit. Um, there are certain songs that will make me cry every time that I hear them. But throughout this time of global pandemic, my wife Ashley and I have seemed to take it in turn on which one was able to cry on which day. As we look out and we see the stuff that happened with George Floyd, and we see the things that are going on with the race relations in, in this country and in this world, as we see all of the different things that are happening with the murder hornets and the dust clouds and the, the virus still kicking back up, it gets to be overwhelming. And it breaks our hearts. And that's okay. It's okay to, to be sad. It's okay to have your heart broken for the things that is, are breaking God's heart. But I want you to see that Nehemiah didn't just sit down and cry. He did something about it. Finish verse 4. It says, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Friends, there is a definite time to weep for the losses of our lives for the things that, that we lose things that fail but there also has to be a time to move forward i'm going to tell you the best way to move forward is in prayer that's right, and prayer. Prayer is how you get started going in the right direction. It's how you get your mind going in the right way. Prayer isn't a last-ditch effort of the week. Prayer isn't giving up and saying, eh, all i got left to do is pray. No, prayer is the A number one offense and the number one defense of those who believe that God is who God says he is. That he is the creator, the king, the master of the universe. And so when you want to get moving forward, you got to pray. you got to talk to the master. you got to talk to the king. you got to talk to the one who already knows what's going on and already loves you more than you could ever imagine. So it's okay to be heartbroken, but when you get there, take it to God. Nehemiah showed another great, uh, another great lesson that we can learn, sorry, um, and that was that he knew how to seize an opportunity. Do you know how much faith and courage it took for Nehemiah to look the king in the eye and say, you know what, you really want to help me out. Let me go and rebuild this city that you tore down. Let me go and rebuild the city that the king destroyed because it hurts my heart that that is down. 
but as soon as he got the chance, he took it. It was five months later, five months after he probably got it in his head that I need to do this. He waited for five months for the opportunity to come up. When it did, he said a little prayer and he jumped on it. Friends, I don't know what your daily life looks like right now. I don't know if you're masking up and heading out into the world, if you're going about your daily life basically the same as it used to be, except that you got a face covering on, or if you are staying home and staying safe in, in your home and staying away from other people because you have a compromised immune system or because you just don't want to be a part of all the craziness that's going on, which is completely understandable and acceptable. I don't know. I don't know if you fall somewhere in the middle that some days you're going out and some days you're not, that you're getting to work from home, so you're still interacting with people, but not in the same way. But here's what I know. I know that no matter which one of those places or in the middle that you fall, that there are opportunities that are happening for you to share the love of God. If you're going out, maybe it's as simple as letting someone have your spot in that oddly long line outside of Trader Joe's. I don't get it. Maybe it's about being kind and showing a smile. Even though you got a mask on, smiling and waving and saying hello and greeting someone as you stay socially distant. That could change someone's whole day. If you're sitting at home, maybe it's about grabbing that phone, shooting out a text message to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. You're in my heart. You're in my thoughts. You're in my mind. And if you've been praying for them, let them know, hey, I've been praying for you. I cannot tell you how much better my day gets when someone says, Patrick, I have been praying for you, and I hope that you are doing well. It just blows my mind and reminds me that I am loved and it shines that light into my life. So Nehemiah, let his heart be broken, but he didn't wallow in it. He took it to God. And then when God put the opportunity in front of him, he seized it and didn't let go of it. And he did one more thing that I want to talk about today. There, there's so many more. If you go look on the internet for lessons from Nehemiah, you'll find this list that has 21 things you can learn from Nehemiah and this list that has 15 things and this list that has 72 things because Nehemiah did a lot of good. But I think this last one is the one that we need to hear right now. As the numbers keep fluctuating, as the dates keep shifting, as the, the life gets getting put on hold time and time again, here's what we need to hear right now. Nehemiah did not give up. Do you hear me? Nehemiah didn't give up. Troubles came at him from what seemed like every side. The people that were supposed to be on his team were trying to distract him. The people that were standing against him were trying to distract him. They were coming at him with sword and with spear. They were coming at him with words. They were coming at him in every direction saying, Nehemiah, you got to fix this. You got to do this. You can't do this. You're never going to make it. And Nehemiah didn't give up. He continued to fight. 
And what's more, he encouraged others to fight alongside of him. He encouraged others to get up and to do their part. Even to the point that he had everyone wearing their clothes to bed. Keeping their sword on them even as they slept. So that no matter what happened, they were ready when the enemy came. Nehemiah did some great things. And i got to be honest with you. I, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know how tomorrow is going to be different from today and how it's going to be the same. But I'm going to be truthful. I didn't know what that was going to be like before COVID-19 either. But here's what I do know. If I can let my heart be broken by the things that breaks God's heart, if I can let myself be compassionate and passionate enough to see when people are hurting and want to help them, and I take that to God in prayer, then I know that He will give me an opportunity if I look out for it. It may take a while, but He will give me an opportunity that I can seize on to go out and share His love and shine His light into this world. But once I've done that, can't give up. I've got to keep pushing forward even as the world throws more and more obstacles at me. Those are some lessons that we can learn from the book of Nehemiah. I say go and, and read that this week. Go and, and let God fill you with his word. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you so much for all the good things that you do for us, for the light that you pour into us, for the opportunities that you place before us to go out and to shine your love into this world. Help us to have our eyes open and to know that it's not going to be easy. Because nothing that's worth doing is ever easy. But let us be on your side and on your team and know that we don't have to be afraid because the God, King of Heaven, is on our side. In your name we pray.